Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be A-OK. known fact about my guest today right out of college she found herself cast on a reality show where each week millions of americans voted and decided whether she would or would not be sandy in the broadway production of greece when she was voted off the show thus began a very dark time for today's guest who now years later stars in a film that she wrote and produced about said experience a musical film co-starring the likes of Kayala Settle, Annalie Ashford, Billy Ray Cyrus, Brian Batt. It's called American Reject. Talk about making art out of a very dark experience that now will inspire others and make them laugh. Welcome, Kathleen Monteleone, to the podcast. A-OK. Everybody, my guest today is the actress, singer, songwriter, producer, and writer Kathleen Monteleone. Her career kickstarted when she competed for the role of Sandy on NBC's Grease, You're the One That I Want. Soon after, she landed roles as Elle Woods in the national tour of Legally Blonde, the musical, and Dee Dee Halcyon Day in Tales of the City, the musical. She made her Broadway debut originating the role of Heather Stovall in Hands on a Hard Body, Some of her TV credits include Are You Joking? Good Behavior alongside uh, Downton Abbey's Michelle Dockery and Comedy Central's Goat Face. And she now stars, which is what we're going to talk about among all the things today, in a feature film that she wrote and produced called American Reject. Also, she has four kids under the age of five, two of them baby, baby infant twins, um, She lives in New Orleans, and I guess New York City sometimes gets Mm -hmm. her back. She is married to uh, a gentleman whose family has owned for five generations my favorite hotel on the planet in NOLA, Hotel Monteleone, which I cannot even believe, and I told her that's a whole other podcast. I'm so jealous. Plus, he's so cute anyway and wonderful, but... (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. That was such a nice introduction. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Thank you for being awake and uh, or doing this. You probably have slept two hours in the last year. Um, welcome. You know, it's funny how you can run on fumes. You realize how much you can handle after a year of sleeping only so much. <laughs> when So by the way, Connie Ray, who plays your mother in the movie, is yeah. one of my oldest, oldest and dearest friends. And I You're loved getting to see how did you uh, how'd you meet just through the biz and yeah yeah we both didn't lived in LA but I want to just go back because in you know 
the movie that you just put out there is so absolutely connected to your origin story in this business, which is yes. you came onto the scene fast and furious in this friggin' reality show, which <laughs> is just insane, where they literally cast a Broadway musical of Greece and mm-hmm. chose the the um the leads from this show. Um yes. in it. I mean, there's so many people like you who have gone on, Ashley Spencer, Laura Osnitz, who was the, the one who mm-hmm. won the competition, and Kate Rockwell, who was on this podcast. Like, it's kind oh. of bananas the ways in which it did launch Broadway careers. Right. Um, but, oh, my God, watching you sing the farewell song of Look <laughs> at Me, I'm Sandra D, singing the lines, hold my head high, take a deep breath and sigh with tears streaming down your face. <laughs> you can't. You cannot make that shit up. I know. I mean, I was really sad that night. Of course you were. <laughs> I mean, to your point, yeah, it did launch a lot of careers, but it was just like, it was just major exposure for a new musical theater, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed auditioner coming on the scene. You know, to get on a show like that was, I'm what? Like, I, I've made it. <laughs> You know, and you, and of course they make you think that, I mean, it's part of the, it's part of the whole gig. It's like, this is the chance of a lifetime. And in a sense it is. And then in a sense, it's like. But like such a bargain with the devil in terms of what, (laughs) like the risk to your artistic soul by being exposed in such a way. So I want to just stay in that moment in time for a while, even though it seems incredibly painful. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But now there's distance. Right. Um, how did you even, you know, the idea you see, you watch American Idol, you see lines and lines of people, you know, around all right. of the cities where they host these auditions. Just talk a little bit. I know you went to Marymount College in yeah. Manhattan and you're a theater, yeah. musical theater major at the time. Is yeah. this before, during, after Marymount? So it's a year after. I was a year out of school. And of course, just on the path to wanting to be a Broadway star, as we do. And I actually went in for the equity chorus call of Greece and sang, you know, 16 bars of Blue Moon for Kathleen Marshall. So Kathleen Marshall was in the room, which, you know, is a big deal for the directors yeah. in the chorus call. Um, and so, and I had heard a little bit, you know, oh, there might be this reality show attached to it, but I never saw myself as a Sandy and I was also starting out. So I was going in for the chorus and right. you know, decided to even be doing that. And, um, I got a call about a month later. So I had, didn't hear anything from the equity chorus call. I get a call from a British producer because the show is a BBC show. It was, it had taken off in the UK with Oliver and, um, you know, Greece as well, Joseph, all these different musicals. Wait, uh, meaning they did these reality TV shows yeah. to cast like West End musical productions? Yes. And they did okay. about, I want to say like six of them. And they were wildly popular. And they were, Andrew Lloyd Webber, I think, was kind of the fuel behind it. Um, but I realized, you know, it was really popular there because of the geography. You know, you could vote the whole, you know, everyone could vote and then you could actually go see the shows where right. ours was the first one in the States. And, you know, if you voted in, Wisconsin, you weren't necessarily going to go see your Danny and Sandy in New York. But right, right, right. It's still this 
this big thing. So I get this call to come. They're going to now hold the the auditions in New York that are the kind where, you know, you wear a number on your chest and you sing from the bridge and then everyone, you know, we're on camera. And, um, and they said, would you like to come to that based on your equity course call? Well, you know, we'll, we'll get you to the next round because you've already done the equity course call. It's like, oh, okay. So it was at the Palace Theater and we all went and Kate Rockwell, you know, everyone that you know is there. And from that moment, I became part of a cast that was going to go to Grace Academy, which was this, it, all of it is just the part of the show, you know, it's the episodes, you know, it's Grease Academy. And then it's this, now I have perspective of that. At the time it was like, I made it to Grease Academy. So again, another part, you know, televised and um, we had to sing from the bridge again and, and get critiqued and have an acting moment and be paired up. Wait, I'm being really, I'm my mother right now. When you say (laughs) sing from the bridge, do you mean the point in the music that is the bridge or you're standing on a bridge? (laughs) I should have totally explained that. That's one of our inside jokes from the cast is that we just constantly would get, please sing from the bridge. And we'd okay. go, no, no. And it was just like. <laughs> I thought that's what you meant, but I thought maybe there's some set piece that I'm not understanding <laughs> where like, it's like walking the gangplank and it's all awful. And okay, no. No, no. no. The Literally bridge. sing from the bridge. So if you have that high belt. From the get-go, you were, you were made. But, you know, and then from there, um, they chose six Sandys and six Dannys to do this live show in L.A., American Idol type, you know, everyone votes. And I was one of those. And, and are and you, just- okay, so let's stop there. Because out of <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hopeful Sandys, right? Yeah, Although you right. weren't actually even a hopeful Sandy because you didn't even see yourself in that part. But as yeah. someone who's suddenly on this ride, you're out of school for one year. Right. This is Kathleen Marshall. I don't care if you have never even gone to a musical, like you're aware of who she is. Right. right. Absolutely. All, all of the players in this thing, NBC is a network, you know, even if you don't right. own a television, right? So, so, and we're living at a time where this is like, the height of reality show kind of taking over our television sets and popular culture. Right. Well, that's something that's really interesting that I like to share is, yeah, American Idol was only in its third season and we didn't have social media at the time. So there, there was still this phenomenon of, you know, you tune in live on Sundays or on Thursdays or whatever. And towns come together and they wear t-shirts and they vote for their people and you can't, you know, it was this, it was a different, it was truly like, you know, we were, we were brought into a room and told like, you know, make sure your phone number's not on the internet. You know, this is, your life is going to change from now on. Okay. So when you get further along in this thing and now the train has left the station and you are one of six. So already, this yeah. is so crazy. At six or seven, did you say? Well, we were six, and then they, of course, had a mystery episode where they, you know, turned the tables and they added a Sandy and a Danny. That's so right. So that's where the seven comes yes. to my mind because I must have read that somewhere. So, yeah. when like, what's happening? How is your family reacting? Are you already married at the time? Yeah, I'm newly married. My husband and I got married. We both went to Marymount and we got married right out of school. And um, yeah, Super he young. Was, yeah, very young. Um, but, you know, it was it was great. And we were both actors, like starting off our, you know, New York acting life. So is everybody freaking out? Are you having oh, like, totally freaking out. like, is your, where did you grow up? 
I grew up in Portland, Oregon, right outside of Portland, Oregon. My parents, oh yeah, no, my parents were a total, <laughs> forgive me mom and dad for saying this, but total hot mess inside, just a bundle of like nerves. Cause you know, coming with, coming with your daughter on national television comes with a lot of haters and ridicule and, and critique, but they were just nerves. No, it was the biggest deal in the entire world. I'm not gonna right. even pretend it wasn't. It was just like, I made it. It was like yeah. that feeling. I mean, yeah. Shot exactly. out of a cannon, and then yeah. you, right, yeah. and then you did, and, and then you did, and yeah, and then, all the and, things, and yeah, and then, um, and then, you know, so were you built for that? No, <laughs> I guess nobody is. No, you know, you. It's funny because you kind of, you kind of can't comprehend how many viewers and what it is because yeah. you really are just like on a variety show every Sunday. But so it actually started out amazing. It was really fun. And, you know, the cast, we still are really close. You know, I mean, we don't keep in touch, but I'm actually going to do a little reunion with them coming up on Zoom. And um, it feels like we were all the same. It was just a great cast to start our careers with or my career with. Um, but no, I wasn't made for it at all. Like it was it was fun to do it. And then it started off. And then the first time the votes came in from America and then someone was in the bottom or the bottom two and, and you started getting the idea of who was America's favorite and who wasn't and why that's when it started the like the icky stuff just started creeping in. And that's mm -hmm. when I you get really insecure. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're in hair and makeup. And you're like, I need to be wearing a ponytail because, you know, they don't think I'm sweet enough. You know, you just, you go all the funny stuff. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, that is really funny. At the time it was life. If I wasn't wearing a ponytail, America wasn't going to see me as Sandy, you know, all these different things. But, but it was, it was like a variety show every Sunday, but there was this secret on set all the time because producers couldn't get you know let up you, they had to like make sure everyone knew did not know who was going to be in the bottom that week and who might go home and all that so that's when it it got pretty heightened and then and then when I was eliminated I mean it was like it was like a death I mean this I'm I'm being I'm gonna be totally on it was like wait what this is not I, you know you really go in thinking you're gonna win Mm -hmm. To your point, hundreds of people auditioned. This is crazy. What is this? This didn't exist in musical theater to have this kind of, um, you know, American engaging and voting and, and knowing about musical theater performers and ca casting something. And you also were like, it wasn't like American Idol where you were yourself and you were choosing songs and outfits and hairdos and right. you were really just trying to be cast in the role. Right. So there was this other thing of like, Pick me, pick me. I can do it. I promise. You know, this desperate. I know, thing. but the idea of letting a country or people in a country who are interested in voting right. rather than a casting director, producer, a lyricist, a musical conductor. I mean, it's just right. the strangest, right. strangest thing. Right. Um, I didn't I didn't get a job for about two years after the, the show because I, you know, I came back to New York and... Um, and I think it was, I think people within our industry who did watch the show or who knew of the show, they just, you know, you kind of already had your idea of who I was or what I could do or couldn't do. And I mean, that's, I guess, my assumption of it all. But it was, it was either a really neat thing, like, oh, yeah. there, that's Kelly from the Grease cast. Or yeah. it was like, ooh, I don't like her. Oh, I didn't like how she sang that one song. Or I, you know, and so there was, and then you're, 
23 thinking that, you know, you're like, I'm what ready. Have I done? Right. Yeah. And also like, was this the worst mistake I ever made to do it? Or did anything immediately good come out of it? Like, did you get any offers or were you like, oh my God, I'm off the show and now I, I'm waitressing? Like what hmm, yeah. really happened? It was pretty, well, well, let me just say this. I was very immature. I did not have perspective. Like if, if I maybe had been in the biz a little bit and then auditioned and got on the show, I could have perspective and use it to my advantage and have that, like, it was a show. I was on a, in a cast and moving on. But because of where I was in life and because of the nature of all the elements we've just talked about, it was like everything. And so I don't think I had, and probably why I didn't get a job for two years now that I'm saying it, <laughs> I didn't have this, like, I just didn't have distance from it. And it was me. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just came back and I, I had to like find my way and go into auditions and, and I, I just kind of wanted to go back and, and see how it would help. And I did get, I did get one offer from Gateway Playhouse to play, to do one of their musicals, which was really fun. And I really appreciated the offer. Um, but no, it was, it, it turned into this thing of like, if you won, you were everything. And if you didn't win, you didn't win and you, you lost, which is, you know, hence the theme of my movie. But yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. then you did get cast. And what was the first yes. thing that you got cast in two years later? Well, you know what? I'm going to give James Caleri all the props because I love James Caleri. Me too. And I know he did this podcast. For yes, me because too. he cast me and my husband in a play together. Uh, he is our Cupid. I mean, I feel yeah. like he, oh, really? he, he is casting Arrow, pierced both of us. He got us both in the show. And it is a showmance that is, you know, going on 20-something <laughs> years. Yeah. But awesome. Like, That's, yeah. That is very clear. I, he's I he's a very good friend. Um, but at the time, you know, he kind of knew I was bumsville about the reality show and um and he cast me in a, a, a new play at the public um called departure lounge where i played this british kind of you know be bopping around character and um and then that then he he told he called telsey's office like you need to see this girl for legally blonde for the tour you know she was on greece you know it's been a couple years blah 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 and they came and saw that and then he just helped facilitate like ghost audition her for Legally Blonde. So then I um, got the two show L on the national tour of Legally Blonde. So that was, so be between that play with James and, um, and Legally Blonde, that was like my first gig after the reality show. But he was the sort of professional champion, mm -hmm. like yes. the person oh, who absolutely. saw you and was like, I, I yeah. want to help. Yeah. I think he, he, maybe having an inside track of what people saw publicly or, or, or perceived publicly having an inside track. And he's so specific on talent. Like he loved, I, I just being his friend and seeing how he loves actors and takes things in, he really can pinpoint everyone's like specific gifts. I think. And did he know you just from auditioning? Was he a teacher at Marymount? Like no, how did he, he even was, know you? So we, my husband and I, so we, have always dabbled in producing a bit. Um, and at the time, um, through a friend of a friend, they were trying to bring this musical called Angels over and um, from Australia. And so we, they asked us to, or really my husband, but we kind of partnered on it to um, 
help get this show off the ground. And James was casting it. So we got to know James and Paul and Erica and everybody um, through that. But then that didn't take off. Um, and But we just became good friends from that. So I think maybe even having a producerial role with them was nice, too, to to be on the other side of it. And then, um, and then, yeah. And then he's just, he's just been a friend and a champion and um, yeah, all that stuff. So he was a big help. Um, so to your point um, <laughs> of having distance and then getting jobs and having this um, opportunity to use the part of yourself that loves to produce things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of actors put themselves in one lane and and mm-hmm. are scared that if they put on another hat, you know, that you even met James mm-hmm. Clary as a producer, right? Right. right. Um, even though you wanted to be a musical theater star and an actress, and yeah. here's this person who casts, and now <laughs> is he going to know me as a producer and not think of me as an actor? Right. By allowing yourself to try these other things, it actually opened up more doors for you, right. not less. Well, I think there was a time, and I think that was the time too, because I remember having a little nerves around that. Um, there was a time where you kind of had to stay in your lane, and people, yeah. if you did multiple things, would be like, but what are you? You know, yeah. you'd get that I'm confused. Kind of yeah, I'm confused. You even let people know you're one thing and you're like, okay, but I can also do this. Yeah. And so, um, and I remember feeling that way, not with James, but in general at that time, like, oh, well, if you produce this, will that ruin my chance? You know, and I also had that mindset from the reality show. Well, I ruin my chances if I, that dr- drama in my head. Um, but now, and I don't know if it's like the internet or the time, now it's really celebrated to for actors to write their own things or produce or directors be acting in their work or you know yeah. there, there's it's almost like we're to be a multi-hyphenate yes right yes. like yes. to multi-hyphenate in your life um right. so this film american reject which you wrote and produced mm-hmm. and star in um how did you decide like now's the time i have enough distance and i'm ready to help use my experience to shed light on something yeah inspire what was the sort of premise in your mind when you sat down to write well I didn't really realize that I was going to be writing about that experience okay so I had it was I had just finished hands on a hard body on Broadway a musical I did at La Jolla and um and then it came to Broadway. It was very short-lived. I loved the musical. I know, um, but the but, great Neil Pepe and Amanda yeah, Green and Tom Kinnock, just the yeah, best. Doug awesome. Wright, yeah. Yes. And, um, and, and of course, when you work on something for so long, and it was my Broadway debut, so you, you're like, finally! And then... Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Just, Nothing <laughs> goes the way we think. I know. Nothing. Which is great. At the same time, now I can say that. But yeah. I, mean, I wish Hands on Hard Body was still going. But I had... It, it had ended and I was just blue. I was just like, I, I just thought to myself, this was about 10 years after, no, I'm sorry. This was about five years after or more, six years after reality show. And I was just so dang blue about it. And I just had this kind of thought, like, am I always going to be doing this? Is this what I, is this being an actor? Like, am I going to be committing to waiting for people to hire me, which is Yes. Okay. That's part of the gig. By the uh, way. Yes. The answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> Tell is this what it is? Yeah. Yep. Am I going to be auditioning my 
buns off, giving my all, getting it, not getting it, getting it, not getting it. And, We're and getting it, and it closed. Yes, exactly. That unbelievable, like, the most incredible creative team, like, handpicked right. brilliance, oh. right? Like, what? I felt like with that show I made it, just with the people I was yeah. working with. And that That's they true. even, you know, trust me with a role. But by the way, like, sidebar, that's the takeaway, right? Like right. that actually you did. Yes. And it's the outside stuff that makes us feel like not successful, but that right. was the, that is the, that is the success to be but in a room much, with that. Right. But as much as like those things were said to me, or I said to myself, like those are the wins. And there's, I just had this warped perspective and I just couldn't, I couldn't see I was so blue about not being successful yeah. that I couldn't see the wins for the wins, yeah. if that makes sense. And I, I realized it was my own problem, really, and I needed to address that. And I had a friend a long time ago say, you know, Kathleen, you, you, um, you have this really interesting experience. You should write about it. And I was like, I'm not a writer. I don't, like, again, I only am one thing. I'm, I'm not doing it. You know, I'm not going to pretend to do something, at, you know. And because of that moment after hands on a hard body, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll give this, I, I had funny scenes in my head, you know, from my experience and these ideas of like, oh, we could showcase that. And so I just kind of dabbled and wrote some scenes kind of just as exercise for myself. Um, and then my friend, Jake Wilson, who's an awesome writer director, he had a film he was doing called, Are You Joking? And he asked me to play a bit part on it. And I went on set and I was like, wait a minute, this is, this is like exactly, I, this, I, I want to do this. Like I could see the story coming alive in my own story. And so, um, he really, I, I approached him about helping me with that, but of course he had a very full plate, but he really helped me structure the story mm-hmm. and get kind of my legs as a writer of, Hey, this is how it needs to go. This needs to happen by the end of act one. This needs to happen here. Yeah. Um, and why this would be an X factor story and all these different things. So I just started writing and writing. And as I mean, it, for years. And as I wrote and rewrote and did actors um, readings and everything, I mean, I really kind of worked, not to say, because I don't think it was therapy for myself, but I really found a story more about a person who has been majorly rejected publicly or in her career, but it's really herself she needs to face. It's a real internal loss that she needs to face. And to find a real win, not the win we all think we want. Yeah. And not um, to play Sandy in Greece, but like. Exactly. Exactly. And so through writing this and just through all the ups and downs of writing something, I'm sure people listening, you know, if you're writing something, it's like, what am I doing? Who am I? Um, you know, I, we finally carved out this story and this script and it, it continued to be changed and rewritten. I mean, speaking of Connie, um, we, I mean, I was writing that scene the day up to the day we shot it, you know, we were, and we're very close friends. So we were able to really cultivate that relationship as mother and daughter and, um, and, you know, really kind of dive in of like, okay, well, this really wouldn't happen. And this would be said. Um, so yeah, I mean, and through that, I realized, oh my gosh, I have had this like winning or losing mentality my whole career so far. I have been showing up like, are you going to pick me? You know, I've, I've come with that as opposed to like, oh, I am a person and an artist and I'm different and I do this well. And I, I had, I really had no perspective. I mean, I was so immature, which 
is part of the joy of doing this movie is, is clearly I'm not arrived and there's so much more, but it really helped me go, wow, there's so much more. There, there's there's so much to dig out and there's so much more. And here I am now, I get to write a movie. I, I wasn't a writer when I was doing a reality show. I didn't know about producing or, or putting together a cast or, you know, buying toilet paper for set and talking to lawyers, you know, the funny things that come with it. But it's, it's, I'm now really grateful for the reality show. Now I love that I lost. Now I'm like, right. There's no movie. Wow. There's no American There's no reject. Yeah. I want to know how you did all of this and had four kids during the course <laughs> of this. Like, how do you, like, just talk a little bit yeah. about, I mean, the word balance is yeah. probably doesn't exist really in your right. personal dictionary. I mean, what does that even mean? But sort of how do you, how do you just talk us through a little bit of like, what does your life look like? Yeah. I'll give you my life. Well, okay. when I started American reject, I had, I had just had my first son okay. and weirdly enough. And I say this to friends who are in the biz and we're like, should I have kids? Like, you know, it's a lot of work and it is. Mm -hmm. um, but weirdly, right when my husband and I had our son, Caffrey is his name. We, I had the script to American reject and weirdly the productivity of having a child. I was like, we've got to produce this movie. There, it it kind of came together as this package and we carried him around to, we would do location, you know, scouting and all this. We carry him around. He came to meetings. So that was kind of a special thing. Um, a lot of the movie I was pregnant because we did reshoots and I was pregnant in a lot of the movie with my second son, but I was able, so during, we shot the movie in New Orleans. So there was, I was able to have a home with a yard and some of the basic things that help raise yep. a child. And I had a mom, my mom came to help me while I was filming. So, so I'm she gonna... came from Portland and stayed with you guys. Yes. While we okay. filmed and just helped us with Kathy, our first son. Um, and now I have newborn twins, which I'm still can't believe I have. I, I just can't even believe it, which was a total shocker, by the way. My husband and I thought, okay, should we be the people that have three kids? We, we, we're outside of New York now. I mean, we go back quite frequently, but, you know, we're outside of New York. Should we just do it? This is, you know, I don't know. As when once we had our child, it was the best. I mean, it was the hardest and best thing ever. And we're like, okay. And I just went in because I thought I was pregnant and got the check to make sure. And she's like, oh, there's two in there. I mean, that was the moment. I mean, when you Like, I'm sorry. That's so funny. I thought you said there were two in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. My husband wasn't even with me. I called him from the car and I was like, well, they're in there. And he, I mean, he said he paced as my other two kids are screaming in the background, you know, in the phone. Um, but you know, right now, just recently, cause we're now at the point where we need a babysitter just to be with one of us, at least with all four children. Right. Because right. everyone needs fed. It's, and it's really funny when one's hungry, another one has to go to the bathroom and needs help. Another one, you know, is dragging sand in the dog is out of the fence. I mean, it's constant, but right now we have a babysitter for our twins. We have a babysitter for the boys and my husband and I are fully hands-on organized right. like crazy. But yeah, my right. day starts about right now I'm waking up in the middle of the night and nursing yeah. and I wake up, shoot out of a cannon about 5 a.m. every morning. And I do, I organize the heck out of my day. So everything's just rigid 
And then I'm with the kids the rest of the full day and carpooling and, and they're in school a little bit. And like we're on spring break right now. We've got two babysitters at home and then my husband and I, and they all need that help. <laughs> so Did not- you move back to New Orleans full time because of COVID or were you already back there? So we, because of the movie, we were here a ton and we really made ourselves, we got ourselves a home here that we were going to end up using as a rental property. Okay. When COVID hit, we were in New York and we had two little kids and um, like everyone else, we were like, oh, we'll hunker down for two weeks. No biggie. Yeah. And uh, then we realized, what are we doing? We have a house in New Orleans that we haven't rented out yet. We have a yard. Let's go there with the kids. And so we stayed, which is you know, another interesting thing for me, because I've always been a New Yorker, like I've been there for 20 years. I went to school there. It's been my dream my whole life. Right. I really had to detach from what that is and what, you know, like letting go of it. But weirdly during this whole time, the last few years, for the first time, I'm able to still audition from New Orleans. Uh, I, you know, I kind of have my New York life here, which I, I know never the self-tape. Right. It's because every, I mean, that's the joy and the curse of self-taping. You can be anywhere because you're not in the room with anyone who actually casts the thing or is directing the thing in person, but it's true. What, what is your relationship to New Orleans? And obviously you married someone who is so deeply steeped in the history of, of this, this city and, Mm -hmm. you know, the Hotel Monteleone is, is, a fixture and has been yeah. for since the late 1800s, yeah. I think. To right. Be, yeah. To be exact. <laughs> so was there ever a moment where you, I, I mean, I know it's a family business. I don't mm-hmm. know if that means literally like brothers and sisters run the day to day or, or how that really works, but yeah. was there a moment or have you guys been hands-on in the running of that hotel or is that not part of your life? Well, no, we don't do any of, well, so there's a, general managing team that is, has run the hotel for decades. Um, and they've done a great job. Clearly the hotel is awesome, I have to say. And, um, so the, it is a very small family. It is still family owned. And Frank's cousin, Will is the, like the executor or the family representative. And so he, everything still has to be approved by the family and, um, everybody, you know, you know, has to know what's going on, but uh, they all have the same vision, which is how do we continue it going for another hundred years? I mean, they really have that mindset. So they'll be doing renovation when you're like, wait a minute, how are we going to do that? And it, will that hurt business? Because they're thinking 50 years ahead or right. they're, they're right. renovating the carousel bar and they're thinking hundred years ahead or what works. Um, but Frank has actually done a lot with film and entertainment around the hotel, which has been an interesting, fun way to partner with the hotel. So he first, that's my husband, Frank, he first did um, a short doc about the, one of the longest uh, bellhops in the hotel, Hotel Al. I don't know if you know him. He's a fixture of the French Quarter. And um, I've seen the documentary. About, yeah. Okay, I mean, he's just, he's just a really beloved character yeah. in the community and the film really highlights mm-hmm. sort of his legacy. It's such a yes. beautiful tribute. Yeah, oh, thank you. Well, Frank started doing that and wanting to showcase the hotel and the people that work there. Um, 
tomorrow our movie actually releases and we're doing um, a little takeover of the carousel. So the movie, the movie will be aired on all the TVs and we'll have an American reject cocktail and, um, and Frank has done different things to, you know, there's a big film and TV industry down here. Yeah. Another yeah. reason why we're here. And um, so there's a lot that's filmed here. There's a lot, you know, we get fun guests staying here, which is part of the culture of the hotel. There have been fun guests and different, you know, celebrities, but also just really interesting people staying at this hotel for hundreds of years. So we get to be a little bit part of that too. Yeah. And obviously you're, I mean, I don't know if Frank is also musical theater or if he's a singer. No, he's an no. actor. Okay. Producer. Yeah. Which okay. is nice that we have a little bit of a difference. Totally. I mean, but, the, but the, the music part of New Orleans culture, yes. I mean, is is New Orleans. And I would think as a singer, there are tremendous opportunities for you if you want them to sing publicly and help share your musical gifts there. Is that something you've started to do? Have you been shy about that? Have you been like, I want to do a cabaret here? Like what, how do you approach that? Well, I did do a cabaret with the local theater here, Le Petit Theater, and they did a, um, it was, it was during the thick of COVID. So they did a, um, where's my brain? Um, virtual concert. And, uh, and that was fun. And I did a few songs from the movie and a couple other songs, but of course the film at the time was just going through festivals. So people really didn't know about it. Um, but that was a nice way of doing that. But, you know, I've really found my place here. You know, I, I still do everything through New York, Mm -hmm. but here I'm able to write and we have our film company here. So we, I really dig into the writing and um, we're producing a few projects here. And that's been kind of my, my angle here in New Orleans. And then I, I'm auditioning, you know, as you know, other actors are with self tapes and, and doing all that. So it's, it's a different time where you really, the virtual thing and all that has, has opened doors, has, you know, allowed us to be you know, a little bit wider, have a wider net that way. Well, I'm going to be sending myself tapes into your company soon, obviously. <laughs> um, what a thrill. I, I just feel so inspired by the ways in which you have allowed yourself to find ways successfully to be super creative, to give other people opportunities because producing is about giving others opportunities yeah. to be great too. And so right. opening the door for other people being right. in this incredible city, raising your kids in a culture that is just all arts all the yeah. time, if you want it to be, yeah, um, clearly your household is. Um, in terms of American Reject, uh, how are you getting it out there? And will people be able to, congrats on the premiere tomorrow. Thank you. And I love that we're so um, in sync in terms of when we're having this conversation. How will people be able to see it? Or if it's not clear yet, is there a website or someplace they can follow its journey? Yep. It's being uh, distributed digitally. So Amazon, Apple, 1091 has it. So you can follow their social page. Um, But really, if you go to AmericanReject.movie, that will give you all the information. Okay. Um, I'm really proud of you. I just think you are just an extraordinary talent and I cannot believe um, how you've been able to take all these experiences and then share them with so many other people in such a a beautifully inspiring way. And just 
beyond impressed that at such a young age you were able to be on that show week after week and under that kind of pressure sing in the way that you sang. Like I I mean just knowing what must have been going on in your body both in yeah. and the out of body experience of all yeah. of it and the competition and the stakes and the cameras and the judges and America <laughs> decide like it's bananas. I don't even I don't even understand that. Um, before I let you go, is there a little known fact that you can share about you? A little known fact? Oh, you, you did so well sharing some of my fun stuff, like I have four kids. Um, I speak German. Does that, is that a thing? Is that part of this podcast? That's a thing, because yeah. I didn't know that before. Yeah, and was, why do you speak German? Well, I was born in Germany. And then I was a foreign exchange student in um, in high school, which was, you know, changed my life of who I am. I even was trying to vet to get the uh, German L Woods when Le- Le Blanc was going to Germany. I was like, yes. can I do this? You know, I can speak. Yeah. But that would be my little known fact. Not too interesting, but, you know, a little something. Now, are you a military child or are your yes. parents German? Okay. Uh, I'm a military child, but we did live, we didn't live on base. So we have, we, we lived in the village and my parents were there for three years. They actually met in Germany when my dad was serving and my mom was a foreign exchange student herself, both from Oregon. Crazy. Yeah. And so I grew up in Germany. I was born in Nuremberg, but I was a student in Konstanz, which is like a um, really on the southern border, right across from Switzerland, literally across the border. Can you say um, welcome to the Little Known Facts podcast in German? Oh, welcome to the Little Known Facts podcast. <laughs> they usually use the English words when. Clearly, I think I'm a lot better speaker when I have a beer or two. I'm like, oh, that's okay. perfect. Next time. Well, we're coming to New Orleans, and we're going to stay at your hotel, and we're going to have a beer with you at that carousel yes. bar. And yes. You have to call me. I'll hook you up. All right. <laughs> I really okay. will. Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Yes. I cannot wait to see those little babies in person. Yes. All right. Have Thank a great you. day. One more thing. So many of you have asked, how do you donate to the podcast? Well, it could not be easier. Just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com slash donations. Instructions are clearly laid out. And I'm so grateful to you in advance for any donation you choose to make. But regardless, I have loved, loved, loved making the previous 200 and something episodes for you. I can't wait to make 200 more. I wish you a beautiful day. Stay healthy. Be safe. Until next time. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So, there you go. These are little known facts that now you know. This episode of Little Known Facts was edited by Nicholas Klar. We record in New York City. The Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded and sung by Georgia Famusa with backup vocals by Caleb Famusa. Thank you.